Welcome to Digital Detectives, reports from the battlefront. We'll discuss computer forensics, electronic discovery, and information security issues and what's really happening in the trenches. Not theory, but practical information that you can use in your law practice, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 131st edition of Digital Detectives. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises, a digital forensics, managed cybersecurity, and managed information technology firm in Fairfax, Virginia. And I'm John Simic, vice president of Sensei Enterprises. Today on Digital Detectives, our topic is the SANS Institute and cybersecurity careers. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsors, PINow.com and CaseFleet. Today, our guest is Rob Lee, the Chief Curriculum Director and Faculty Lead at SANS Institute. Rob runs his own consulting business specializing in information security, incident response, threat hunting, and digital forensics. For more than 20 years of experience in digital forensics, vulnerability and exploit discovery, intrusion detection, prevention, and incident response, he is known as the godfather of DFIR. Rob co-authored the book, Know Your Enemy, Second Edition, and is course co-author of FOR 500, Windows Forensic Analysis, and FOR 508, Advanced Incident Response, Threat Hunting, and Digital Forensics. It's been way too long, Rob, and great to have you back. Thanks for having me. Really happy to be here. Thank you. Well, why don't we start, Rob, by having you tell us a little bit about the SANS Institute, because I'm sure there are people listening who don't know what it is, how it's organized, what it does, how long it's been around, whatever you think might be important to know. Yeah, no problem. Um, So I've been working with the SANS Institute on and off for about 20 years. The SANS Institute is primarily a training organization that focuses on not only training, but research and community development. We have a lot of free resources capabilities, but what we're mostly known for is our training curriculum. My previous role had me lead the digital forensics and incident response curriculum, but we have uh, the offensive operations curriculum, leadership management, uh, blue team operations, and of course, new to cyber, in addition to our brand new curriculums, industrial control systems, and cloud. So, you know, as with the growing uh, information security world, you know, we are trying to keep pace with all the uh, new capabilities out there and threats that are potentially involving organizations and, you know, really having training for both of those in the expert side as well as those brand new to forensics. Now, the interesting thing about SANS is that uh, those who author for SANS are full-time practitioners. Uh, we, no one's a full-time instructor. We don't, uh, we don't hire our instructors. They're all 1099s that basically we find through our summits. Uh, you know, each our curriculum holds a, holds a summit or you know, inviting people to come author and teach the courses. And usually most cases, those individuals who are teaching the course at, you know, were practicing the stuff they were teaching the week before out there in the field. And we have over 100 instructors and almost uh, 70 courses now at SANS, basically really trying to uh, teach organizations and individuals best practices. And, you know, we update our courses so frequently that uh, many people are shocked, you know, that some of the latest attacks that just came out weeks ago are in courseware a few days later, you know, trying to talk about the uh, the relevance and, you know, how uh, about how those attacks could potentially impact their own organizations. 
Well, Rob, you, you, you touched a little bit on it, but can you go into a little more detail about how people generally get involved with, with SANS as an instructor? And, and I'm really curious as to how, how did you get involved yourself? <laughs> well, yeah, that's a great question. So it, it, there's several different ways uh, to get involved uh, with the SANS Institute as an instructor. In many cases, the way I was finding instructors is we would see someone, you know, with a particular set of expertise and skills, you know, for example, Eric Zimmerman, you know, took one of my classes and he and I just started chatting and, you know, found out that he was actually, you know, extremely decent already at the material. And I said, you know, why aren't you teaching this? And, you know, started, you know, bringing him in, uh, you know, seeing if you wanted to start teaching. And of course, Eric Zimmerman is well known for the easy tools, Eric Zimmerman tools that are out there for utilities in the community and also help, you know, partially funded by the SANS Institute. So that's one way. We find a person, we know a person that we see out there. Uh, another way is that we, you know, someone who certifies through our GX certification program, those are the highest scores out there are invited to apply to be an instructor. And we go through a rigorous vetting process that helps identify these candidates that are out there. And of course, we have go to third party events. We also host our own summits where we have speakers, you know, on we potentially talk about different, you know, techniques and new challenges that they've encountered out there. And in many cases, we'll find someone who's interested in teaching through that mechanism. Now, to teach for SANS isn't like, hey, we identify you, we throw you in front of a classroom. It, you know, we go through a rigorous vetting process and training process for every instructor until they finally become certified. In many cases, it takes over a year and year and a half to develop a full-time instructor at SANS, meaning that they're fully certified, that they could te uh, teach a class solo by themselves. And, you know, uh, because of the, you know, in in how in-depth our material is, we want to make sure that, you know, for someone who is, you know, signing up for our courses, they know what they're doing, that they've been uh, taught the best teaching practices that are out there, and also they're experts in the field, and they have a passion for doing it. You could tell, you know, really bad instructors, they don't have that, you know, a presence in the room, they're not invigorating the people, they don't love the material, and that can't happen at SANS. We basically really go out of our way to make sure those we put in front of the classroom are uh, the most engaging teachers and instructors out there because they're practicing it, but then they love teaching others uh, the same material, you know, really building up the community. You know, it's it's kind of daunting that you say that you have uh, so many courses, over 70 of them. I know a lot of folks look around to look for some kind of training. If they were to look for SANS training, how would you recommend that they proceed? How should they make a decision on what, what to take? I mean, typically, and here's the, here's the thing I always tell people, it's like right now, you know, especially in the information security field, it's if you're just starting out, there's, you know, we highly recommend you got to learn the fundamentals. It's almost there's a lot of echoes back into both the legal profession in addition to medical professions is that you need to understand the fundamentals, how law or, you know, biology and, you know, core medical, you know, uh, techniques work. And then you become more focused. You, you take your focus areas that you become a practitioner in, saying you, whether it's family law, criminal, or whether you're going to go down and say, hey, I'm going to be a foot doctor or whether I'm going to be an OBGYN, you know, these are specialization fields. And the same thing happens in the information security community. What I found is that because of the rapid advancement of technologies that are out there, that, you know, almost immediately after you learn some of the fundamentals, you're going to probably need to start specializing. And specializations occur within the different curricula that we now have, whether you are going to go into digital forensics and do investigations, whether you be for law enforcement or doing its response, whether you're doing uh, SOC operations um, and moving into blue team operations, whether you become a cloud expert, each of these have its own 
really in-depth niche areas that you would start to focus in on. And those, we also have beginner, intermediate, and advanced courses in each one of those fields as well. Where we usually see the mistakes of individuals is they bite off more than they could chew. They choose a class that's more advanced than they're able to understand at that point. And I really tell people, it's like, really make sure you have the fundamentals down before you decide to go to niche. If we say a course is advanced, it is advanced. It, it is a sink or swim you know, uh, breathing down the uh, water from a fire hose level of material that's going to be thrown at you. And we really try to, you know, invigorate that through hands-on exercises. But even with those hands-on exercises, if you don't have the fundamentals down, they're going to be, you know, extremely daunting. For example, in our reverse engineering malware course, you need to know a little bit of coding in order to reverse code. You know, these are some of the things that, you know, we don't stop and say, let's teach code you know, writing in order for you to reverse code analysis. We're expecting the prereqs to be met before someone sits the class, but, you know, really, you know, size yourself up and, you know, have an understanding of where you actually fit. If you're just starting out intermediate and starting to choose your niche area, or if you're advanced and really trying to get a focused specialization at that point. I think that's going to be one of the best tips that a lot of folks who think they want to go into cybersecurity are going to hear in this podcast. Oh, yeah. wait, wait, wait a minute, Rob, it's not point and click? Oh, it could be. There is a lot. You know, there, you know, there's a lot of point and click interfaces out there now, thanks to the vendors, but you still need to understand what it's telling you. Yep, yep. Well, Rob, I'm sure our, our, a lot of our listeners are, are going to be surprised that there's more than half a million cybersecurity jobs that go unfilled every year, according to the recent yeah. stats. Why, why, why do you think that is? It's, there's, not enough, <laughs> there's not enough. There's not enough. There's too many positions, not enough people. And it's, a, it's a, such a growing field. And it's growing wider. I mean, you take a look at, you know, for example, cloud. Everyone, because of COVID, has shifted a lot of resources and capabilities into the cloud away from their, you know, brick and mortar old office spaces. So, you know, trying to understand how to manage and secure your assets in the cloud, you know, for whether you're dealing with software as a service, whether you're doing infrastructure sitting in the cloud, how do you defend that? How do you monitor it? You can't just use the same capabilities that you did from the original SOC days in order to do intrusion detection. So it requires a massive amount of knowledge to do that. What about, uh, you know, uh, instant response? Now we're having most firms out there will have a dedicated instant response team. Who is going to have that experience? Where are you going to find these individuals? And what I also find is a lot of organizations out there, you know, will uh, say, hey, I'm looking for an entry-level cybersecurity analyst, you know, and of course on their job requ requisite, they'll say, you know, five years experience. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the old joke that we're all running around in the community with right now. It's like, hey, I'm looking with, or for someone with 12 years of Kubernetes experience. Well, you know, the joke is <laughs> Kubernetes has not been around for 12 years, but someone in HR thought it would be brilliant to put that down because it's like, well, I better shoot high because everyone lies on their resumes, right? <laughs> Trying to find those initial and uh, entry-level positions is hard because a lot of organizations, they overshoot, they, you know, versus saying, hey, listen, we will train you. We're going to bring you in. We just need to show a little bit of basic competence in order to, for you to see your first job in cyber. But maintaining and retaining those individuals ends up being uh, hard too because that's the other unsaid truth that's out there. A lot of organizations are saying, hey, to fill positions, I'm going to go recruit heavily on LinkedIn and through other things and saying, hey, if you want to make another 25, 30K a year, come work for us. And so people are constantly switching jobs right now. And you see it in the LinkedIn resumes. Look at the average time and tenure at an organization mm -hmm. for a, a standard cybersecurity analyst. It is a year to year and a half because they're stolen. You know, it sounds evil, but it's 
when you offer more money to an individual who has a little bit of talent because you need to have an unfilled position, of course they're going to move over there, especially if they're going to be able to do virtual uh, remote work for that organization. Hmm. Well, John and I are constantly talking to to young folks, especially those who are getting ready to think about going to college, and and they're interested in in cybersecurity. They they tend to pick that up somewhere in high school, but that they ask us about college courses that we would recommend if their goal is to get into cybersecurity. So, how would you? What would you tell them that they should think about taking in college to pre- start preparing for this? Obviously something in the sciences field will always help. But again, you know, if you, and this is where there's an age old argument, I I tend to soapbox this a little bit. Do you need a computer science degree in order to go into cybersecurity? In certain aspects, the answer is 100% no. And the reason why is a lot of computer science degrees focus in on architecture, the actual computer circuits, you know, almost like electrical engineering does. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it focuses on the concepts in the science, which is good for, understanding how binary and numbering works and, you know, basic logic of the programming languages. But in many cases, you don't need those skills in the cybersecurity world. Any technical field you find yourself into, and I usually tell people, I said, you know, take a look at there's any IT, any focused areas that lead you into cybersecurity in your college degree program and start taking a look if there is a even bachelor's program in your college. And they do exist out there. And the question that we that you'll have, though, is how relevant are they? Are they able to keep up with the latest technology releases that are out there? You know, if you're taking a smartphone class, you know, are we analyzing iOS 10, you know, even though 14's out, you know, you, it's so hard to keep up to date with the latest technology releases that a lot of colleges out there are struggling just like everyone else. You know, you have to, you know, maintaining congruency with the current technology is not like basic sciences that exist out there you know, cellular, you know, uh, chloroform and, you know, basic biology doesn't change, but computer science is constantly changing with the latest capabilities that are out there. Take ransomware, for example, you know, one of the biggest issues out there in cybersecurity today, uh, a couple of years ago, you know, no one would look, you know, up or down at that, you know, saying, oh, it's ransomware, it's kind of a nuisance, but now it's a major issue. So, you know, do your programs even teach that even, you know, like, what is it? What does it look like? You know, how would you potentially remediate it, prevent it? And so forth. So a lot of graduates from these programs walk out of the programs and say, hey, we're de- uh, trying to defend against ransomware. And guess what? The person's like, um, I've never seen it. I don't know what to do with it. And hopefully you could teach me. And the organizations get a little bit frustrated for the college program saying, I thought you had a degree in this. Why not? Or why aren't you useful to me? And the military and DOD and a lot of the uh, government level programs are also running into the same issue that people are going into their first, you know, uh, you know, career and, you know, their commanders are looking at them saying, you don't have the right skills to do the job today. And that's one of the things that's frustrating out there for a lot of people in, the, in it. You'll get the basics, and that's why you should go to college. Get the basics, but understand what you're signing up for is constant learning from this point forward in your life. Just like those in the pharmaceutical fields and everything else, like what you knew yesterday is completely antiquated today. You need to constantly be ready to open up the book, crack open uh, your own research, learn and dig into the binary yourself in order to maintain your own skill sets. No one else is going to do it better than you. And you cannot simply rely on the educational programs out there, even though they're from the Sands Institute. I always tell people this is like your learning shouldn't stop with what's on paper here. It doesn't mean you're done. It doesn't mean I've learned Windows forensics. I'm now you know a Windows forensics expert. It means that just wait two months until the latest patch upgrade occurs and you're going to need to learn it again. Everything might change. Mm-hmm. 
And it's this constant cycle of frustration and trying to stay ahead of it and frustration trying to stay ahead of it that, you know, someone entering in this field, either they love it or they hate it. If you love it, then you're the type that's constantly loving to learn, loving to problem solve. And, you know, you go back to formal education for the core aspects of it and then come out in the field saying, OK, now it's up to me to continue my education as much as possible. You know, Rob, I would add one more thing to the the advice that I usually give them, and that is to make sure they take some writing courses because they have to write <laughs> professional reports usually somewhere along the way. They're writing, they're doing security assessments, and there's a paper generated after that with all the results. They may be doing digital forensic stuff, and and that involves reports and writing too. And and that's what most of these college students seem to lack is a real writing background, especially professional writing. So I think that's one important thing for them to, to have. Would you agree with me? Oh, totally. <laughs> writing. We actually, Sands has a writing course written by our own uh, Lenny Zelter for that reason. And it is a part of our graduate and undergraduate programs we have at Sands as well. It is a important skill. And, you know, again, you're easy to sit there. I don't need to write. I just need to know, know how to code. But even if you're a coder, you know, being able to document and write, you know, how to use your programs is essential. And not only that, presentation skills too, you know, to be able to stand up and to be able to describe a problem, how you solve a problem, how you move forward through a problem. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of people end up uh, not moving forward in their careers because they lack both writing and presentation skills and capabilities. And so it's something I highly recommend those who are like, how do I move forward in my career? How do I become a managing director? of, you know, this, you know, X, Y, and Z. I said, well, that's easy. I said, you need to learn how to write. You need to learn how to present and you need to do it in a way that is, you know, takes technical piece of information and presents it in a way. So management can make a decision based off of what you're telling them. They should not be looking at you. Like I, you just spoke about something no one understands, you know, take the average parent out there that heard, heard about the Twitch um, compromise the past couple of days. And they're like, wait, what's Twitch? And all the, all, everyone who uses Twitch right now does the big eye rolls. Like, how do you not know what Twitch is? But again, that's what happens. You need to be able to explain what is Twitch in a way that people say, oh, I didn't know that existed. There's generational gaps that occur. That's a part of this. And, you know, and one more point on this, and this is something else that, you know, you guys might recognize, but I've, we're now at a point in the career cycle of many people out there have been doing this for 20 years. And, you know, you end up, by, you know, I call them the 20-year graybeards, you know, uh, you know, gray-haired, you know, individuals that are out there. It's like, I don't need more training. The, the scary part is they're the ones that, you know, it's like they're sitting on typewriters with the word processor sitting in front of them. They said, all I know how to do is type. If they've not been to, back to training, if you've not been back to training, you're missing a lot. And I, I, I have done this even with some of our instructors. I said, how many of you really know cloud? And, you know, they'll, they're like, blink, 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 blink. I said, okay, guys, you know, get into these cloud courses. Everything is, you know, moving toward the cloud right now. If you think, because I've been doing this 20 years and everyone sees you as an expert and everyone just, you know, yep, you're the expert. You've never failed me before. Your skills are about to turn on a dime because you're not maintaining congruency with the latest technologies that are out there. You have to go back to school. You have to go back and get a new core that's out there. Admit your frailty admit that you need to learn again to maintain your expertise. You can't do it on reputation alone anymore. And so there's a lot of people out there that are scared they're actually gonna be asked a question as an expert and they're not gonna know the answer. So they fake it really well. But in reality, I'm just saying, no one wants to see them go back to school. It's like, wow, it looks like I don't know something. You need to go back to school. 
those we're now at that stage again. It's like you've the full cycle has occurred that people started out in the field back in the late 90s, early 2000s. You're who are I'm, I'm talking about. You need to take more courses. I guarantee it right now. Take a course. You need to bring your skills up to up to date. Uh, you may not think it because you're embarrassed about it a little bit, but everyone needs that right now. Even, you know, Sharon and John, you're probably thinking, oh my God, he's talking about me too. Yes, <laughs> I'm talking about you guys here. If you don't know exactly what the, oh, no. is going on in the cloud, guess what? You need to oh, go take yeah. a class. No, I'm with you 100%, Rob. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick commercial break. What could be more important than knowing the facts of your case inside and out? CaseFleet's powerful software makes it easy to create a chronology of each case and to track the evidence for each fact. With an intuitive interface, full-text search, and built-in document review, CaseFleet makes fact management easy. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at casefleet.com forward slash digital detectives and get 10% off your first subscription. Does your law firm need an investigator for a background check, civil investigation, or other type of investigation? PINow.com is a one-of-a-kind resource for locating investigators anywhere in the U.S. and worldwide. The professionals listed on PINow understand the legal constraints of an investigation, are up-to-date on the latest technology, and have extensive experience in many types of investigation, including workers' compensation and surveillance. Find a pre-screened private investigator today. Visit www.pinow.com. Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our topic is the SANS Institute in Cybersecurity Careers. Our guest is Rob Lee, the Chief Curriculum Director and Faculty Lead at SANS. Rob runs his own consulting business specializing in information security, incident response, threat hunting, and digital forensics. With more than 20 years of experience in digital forensics, vulnerability and exploit discovery, intrusion detection slash prevention, and incident response, he is known as the godfather of DFIR. Well, Rob is... is People move down a career path towards cybersecurity. What kind of certifications would you would you suggest they go for? Well, that's certifications is a great question. It it really comes down to you need to establish your your core. You need to establish that you know you can sit a entry or intermediate level job. And so never you know I always go back to the core certifications that are out there, and there's plenty of them uh, that I would take a look at. But if you're just starting out in technology, A-plus certifications are amazing. It shows you, you know, hey, you can master the technologies. Then you start taking a look at, uh, you know, what, what SANS has, our, you know, GSEC certification, our Security Essential certification. Uh, we also have a new foundations level certification for those just entering the field. Uh, the GFACT also would help establish that. And then moving into your niche areas, I would definitely look at getting certified and cloud or into response, you know, as you're moving forward, certification does not mean you're a master. It means that you've mastered the core and you're able to, you know, basically just like the analogy I always use is, you know, you graduated from basic training in that particular, you know, subject area. It doesn't mean you're going to be a ninja warrior and able to handle anything, but it basically means that you're going to be able to, you know, work your way through core problems. What are the hottest areas in cybersecurity right now? That's what people ask a lot too. Cloud and industrial control systems, by far. Those two in particular, uh, there's not enough cloud understanding expertise 
and cloud is consistently changing on a daily basis. It is, and I'm not kidding, it is a daily basis. That is something that, you know, you have new capabilities that are deployed by the major cloud providers. And you also have to worry about all the software as a service providers, you know, whether or not your, you know, your infrastructure is sitting inside GCP or Azure, you're also, you know, taking a look at Salesforce and, you know, you have private PI data sitting in there. How would you respond to a Salesforce breach or some of your data compromise you know, from some of those applications, Zoom even, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're using Zoom on this call right now is how much of that data, you know, you're using Zoom as an infrastructure, are you logging in? What if someone breaks into one of these calls and listens mm-hmm. in during a very private, you know, conversation between legal representatives and the uh, executive board of the company? You know, these things are definitely happening out there. So cloud and cloud security is essential at this point is one of the hottest areas. The second one also because it's, fairly unknown, but it's the opposite issue. We're dealing with technologies from the 1960s and 70s that are driving a lot of our infrastructure that they simply plugged in the internet and said, hey, there's a control mechanism we're going to put on this on-off switch. And those on-off switches are targeted by nation-state adversaries. How do you defend against, you know, the industrial control systems that are out there? How do you secure it? How, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that don't understand the fundamentals and it requires a little bit of background in double uh, E, but it also requires a lot of knowledge in standard information security and networking of how people have attached these devices to the internet in a relatively in, uh, insecure manner. And, you know, it's driving pipelines, you know, it's driving traffic control systems and water plants and you name it. It, it, it becomes almost on the scary side when you think of the implications of some of these things are potentially targeted. And we did see that this past year with the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack that, you know, in you know due diligence of not knowing how bad the breach was, they shut down the pipeline, you know, rightfully so. But it, it wasn't as a direct result of the ransomware or is it because of precautionary measures? And again, because there's not a lot of expertise out there to analyze it, guess what? If you will see organizations go full throttle and you see people like waiting in line for gas for up to four days after that attack. And that's not sensationalism. Everyone saw it on the news. Mm-hmm. We, we see a lot of a lot of things going on. We, we had the CSI effect, right? That brought a lot of interest into digital forensics. I know you and I experienced that early on. But there's a lot today going on in cybersecurity and a lot of interest because of movies and TV shows that make it really seem kind of glamorous. So number one, is it really glamorous? And, and number two, can, can anyone, anyone at all, make it in the cybersecurity world? I'll start with the latter question. I truly believe if you have a passion, you love technology, and you really like problem solving, information security or anything in information technology is going to be your jam. We, you know, even if you started off, you know, hey, I I was a cartoonist for Marvel Comics and I decided to get into information security, I've seen people make that transition. It is Everything is teachable. I know for a fact, if I wanted to learn the piano today, I would be able to do it. There's enough training programs out there to bring me up to speed with the reading music and the you know basic um, uh, melodies that are incorporated there. The same thing occurs in information security. There is such a need right now for professionals that are entering the field that you would not be made fun of by looking at it and no matter what stage of life that you're in. It is for everyone and it is entirely fun. Now, is it glamorous? Um, yes and no, as with every career out there and what you see in the movies, not everything looks like the matrix. 
But whereas with every job, you know, that's out there, it is what you make it. It is like if you enjoy defending networks, if you enjoy trying to find holes in networks or in doing investigations, that's why the niche areas exist. You'll kind of find your, you know, this is my thing. I didn't like the attacking systems, but I like doing investigations. I like feeling like, like I'm helping people. Those are the types of things that, you know, depending on your personality, you're going to find, you know, whether you veer left or right. And that's where you're going to feel like, hey, I am paid to do what I love. I can't, pay, you know, I can't believe people actually pay me for this. I love this. That's where it makes it glamorous. It's not about glamour. It's about, you know, do you find your soul while working and, you know, you wake up every day and say, well, I can't believe, you know, I'm doing this. You kind of know you're there when you're working at night. And your spouse or your partners or your friends look at you and say, hey, are you working? Or are you playing? And you actually look at them and say, I actually don't know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're a lot like us. We have fun doing things that other people think are very strange indeed. <laughs> and and we, we've talked to a lot of people, maybe in their 40s and 50s, especially those with some kind of technology background. And they ask if they could consider a career in cybersecurity. I think they're wondering when and if it's too late to re invent themselves what would you tell those people never too late it really isn't it, it honestly comes down to it as one of when i was in my 20s and i was working as a manager at one of the uh, consulting firms in uh, the dc area one of the most talented individuals i had and I, I have to admit a little bit of ageism when he came on my team you know he was three times retired you know from the military then from the cia and then from the actual organization we're working for and he came back for his fourth job, and he was in his late 60s, and he became one of the most dependable individuals on the team. We would throw anything at him. It was like the Mikey would eat it commercial. It's like, you know, <laughs> HP would take it. He would you are dating it. yourself, Rob. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, I know. I totally dated myself. He would take it. He would learn it. But initially, I was like, oh, he's, you know, he probably really doesn't like this stuff. But he was like, just determined. He was, you know, I'll, I'll admit, initially a little bit slower just because he was learning along the way. But everything that we threw at him, he just would plod through it. And he, he, by the end of the, my work with him, like if I ever wanted something done and done well, I would give it to him. And he was in his late 60s when he took this up, never coded ever in his life. And by the time he was done with us, he was one of the best coders on the team. Hmm. Very That's inspirational. <laughs> yep. Well, our, our final question for you, Rob, and you know, maybe a softball for you, but, uh, and I know a lot of our, our listeners would be fascinated by your, your opinions on this, but do you have any predictions about the future of, of, of cybersecurity at, at all? We know it moves really, really fast, but what are your thoughts on that? I kind of make fun of people with the predictions and it's because they're the same thing every single year. You know, is this a problem that's going to go away? no. Are we going to see in our lifetime a major attack that is going to occur that is going to be devastating as a result of cyber? Yes. And you know, the predictions come down to that every aspect of an individual's life is touched by technology at this point. It is impossible to get around it. But even, you know, parents trying to secure their kids, trying to understand their core devices and how do they make sure that, you know, they can monitor and you know, make sure their kids aren't being uh, you know, part of, you know, predators. Everyone has a need uh, for basic information security knowledge at this point, you know, and it's that awareness mm -hmm. and more that is making this a major career field from here forward. And so it, my prediction is, is that cybersecurity is a long-term career field for anyone who wants to enter into it. You know, as much as pharmaceuticals will also never go away, medical will never, never go away. As long as we're dealing with digital devices and, you know, they're tied to us in 
three or four different ways and you look at the number of IP addresses in your home that is attached to your router, information security is here mm -hmm. and it's going to be essential for people and experts out there to say, you know, your neighbors can ask you, hey, should I be worried about my fridge being attached to the network? <laughs> and maybe, maybe not. I mean, but at the same time, is that an entryway into uh, something else in your network that is more mm -hmm. valuable for an attacker? So yeah, it, my prediction is basically that, is that, you know, this is a wonderful field to be, uh, go into and it does not matter your age. If you like technology, if you like, you know, surfing the internet, if you like learning, own this. This is your time. Do this. There's a ton of jobs out there for you right now. Well, I'm sure that you have inspired a number of people listening to you today, and you just bubble over with enthusiasm. It's like a fountain going off. Uh, and that's, I mean that very sincerely and as a great compliment. I mean, you clearly love what you do, and, and you communicate your enthusiasm to others. So I think uh, those who are listening, they're going to learn just a ton about all of this and have many of their questions answered. So thank you so much, Rob, for being with us as our guest today. One additional uh, thing I'll throw out there is those just starting out, uh, sans.org slash free is a really good resource that you go turn to for a ton of free resources that SANS provides those just starting out. Uh, so check it out if you're looking at uh, just saying, hey, where do I begin? That's a good point on our website. Well, that does it for this edition of Digital Detectives. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at legaltalknetwork.com or an Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. And you can find out more about Sensei's Digital Forensics, Technology, and Cybersecurity Services at senseient.com. We'll see you next time on Digital Detectives. Thanks for listening to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Check out some of our other podcasts on legaltalknetwork.com and in iTunes.